Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketing Podcast. I'm Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today, uh, we have a guest with us. Samuel Timothy is a member of our senior strategy team, one of the owners of, of One IMS, and uh, worked closely with a lot of our clients. So we're happy to have him back for the second time on our podcast. And today, we walked through Sam's five-point checklist. Trademark. Uh, it's, yeah, it is trademark. He's writing a book. The five-point checklist of, of everything that he looks at when analyzing a client's or a company's website performance or really just marketing performance in general. So I think we got in some good topics. I think this is a great podcast for anybody that's trying to understand, am I doing everything that I should be doing in order to reach my customers and reach my audience? And you know, how do I make that happen in this digital world? So hopefully you guys enjoyed. All right, welcome back, everybody. We got a guest in the studio. We got Samuel. Samuel, welcome to the this episode. Yeah, glad to be back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're talking about, I guess, website audits and how to actually strategically look at a site and give some feedback. And maybe, Taylor, you can kind of share the topic of uh, today's yeah. episode, the audience, and maybe jump right in. Yeah, I mean, we get a lot of questions surrounding which metrics we should measure. Um, Google, for example, Google Analytics is constantly coming out with new metrics, engagement tools, and Google Data Studios, and different ways that you can look at and interpret the data. And so marketers, business owners are constantly trying to improve their performance. But I think one of the things that needs to be better understood is which metrics are important, how do we interpret the data, and most importantly, how do we apply that to our businesses and to our marketing strategy. So Samuel, I wanted to bring you in on the podcast. I know you work with probably thousands of businesses on an annual basis. And I'm sure that the idea of reporting or you know campaign performance metrics is something that every marketer has questions about. So we wanted to kind of get your take on this. And I understand you have uh, some sort of a process or, or checklist that you typically follow in determining what uh, a website performance or campaign performance is. Most certainly. And I think, um, especially as we onboard a new client or when we're talking with a, a prospective client, right? We want to look at kind of the health check of their online presence. And then the same thing goes for somebody who might just be joining a company as a marketer, maybe as a senior marketer, taking on the responsibility of driving yeah. business for that company. They also need to have some sort of a way to measure the, the effectiveness of all their prior initiatives. So yeah, we do we do have something that we subscribe to, we call it the five-point check. Yeah, I think when inheriting someone else's website and someone else's data is probably one of the biggest complaints or issues that, that marketers have, right? Because I mean, even we talk about Google Analytics seems like the most basic place where you want to start with tracking. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of it has to do with whoever set up the you know, goal tracking or analytics. And if how it was set up. Yeah, and how that was measuring. And if it's never been double checked by anybody, yeah, you could be you could be measuring or making decisions off of inaccurate data. Mm -hmm. So you said you have a checklist, a five-point checklist. So what does that checklist look like? Yeah. Um, what is it really intended to, to measure? Yeah, some, some things actually can have hard numbers and some things are um, somewhat kind of subjective, I would say. Okay. Um, so essentially, it all kind of leads down. So you essentially want to start with the number one uh, thing you want to look at is the, is the traffic, okay. right? So you want to look at the traffic metrics. What is that traffic today, right? And is there some sort of a seasonal patterns that you can see? What channels are driving the most amount of traffic? Essentially, hey, how much of that traffic is organic versus paid media versus social, referral, email? So you can really filter down and see what are all the primary channels, channel of traffic. Mm -hmm. So looking at the traffic gives you a good indication of the health of your online presence. 
And you can see any one channel is superior to another one, right? And also you can look further down into which of those channels are actually driving the most amount of conversion. So I think starting with the traffic would be the number one from okay. the one check you want to look at. And would you look at, so you, you look at the traffic and you look at the different channels. So would you say one traffic source is superior to another? Well, it depends on the industry. We've seen across the board, organic tend to perform really well for some industries, especially from a conversion standpoint. But there are also occasions where you see paid performing really well for some industries. Mm-hmm. Or it all comes down to kind of the initiative that they have in terms of the growth goals. Some companies might be spending a lot more energy and resource on paid and they might see better performance there. But overall, you want to see which channels are driving the most amount of traffic and and how is that performing across the board. So the first metric that a marketer should look at is traffic. And so you're saying compare traffic year over year, month over month, or compare, you know, is the traffic growing? Are we getting more attention? Are we getting more eyeballs, visibility to our website? Which I think is a great place to start. And essentially seeing if that traffic is trending, right? So essentially uh, you can have seasonality in terms of some season might have, hey, you know, let's just say if you're in the home service industry, you might see that the winter months might not be the most peak season for you from a traffic standpoint. Or even some instances you might see in the B2B sector, you might have maybe the beginning of the year and end of the year might have some some peaks and valleys, right? So there could be some seasonality that affect overall traffic, but I think starting you know where you want to look at is are we generating enough traffic at a rate that it contributes to the amount of the amount of leads that you want, the volume of leads you want, right? So if you're not getting enough traffic, that is also going to affect your pipeline and your volume of leads so in the future. You bring up a good point. I mean, one question that we get all the time is okay, here's my traffic number. Well, how much traffic should I be getting, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, how as a business owner or, you know, marketing leader, how do you create that? You know, how do you establish that goal of, you know, I want to, is a hundred visitors a lot? Is a mm-hmm. thousand, is 10,000, is a million? Like, where do we need to be in terms of traffic? And, and like you said, is it trending upward? Well, we have 10% growth, 20% growth mm-hmm. could be 10% of a huge number or 10% right. of a small number. So it's a really big difference. Yeah, so which kind of leads you to the second point okay. in the five-point check is essentially the conversion metric, right? So your goal is, you know, industry average for a B2B company is about 2% conversion uh, on a good website that has, you know, fairly fairly well optimized for conversion. And it could be a little bit higher than 2% at times, but essentially your goal should be working backwards to see, okay, if I am trying to generate new business and I need this many number of leads that are qualified, that I can talk to. And then from that, the qualified set of leads, I expect a certain percentage of those to convert into sales opportunities. And at a certain percentage turns into uh, close to one deals, then you can work backwards and determine, okay, if those metrics, uh, if I know my revenue goals and I know the number of deals that I need to have in pipeline to reach that revenue goal, then I can work backwards and determine how many the sales ready leads do I need to have? And then if so, at the conversion rate that I have today on my website, how much traffic do I need to drive to my site? So it's not whether or not, hey, you know, should I be getting thousand visits to my website? It is more so what is the amount of leads and deals that I need in my pipeline to make in relation to your correct. conversion rate. And then, and for some people, it could be you know a thousand visits, and some maybe uh, tens of thousands of visits, right? Yeah. So that really is where that comes from. So I don't think there's like an arbitrary number that I can say this is how where you should be in terms of the traffic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in terms of conversion. I guess that was your second point. So what's a good, you said 2%, right? But I mean, is that across the board? Is that, is that a good number? And like you said, you know, 2% of 100 visitors or even 1,000 visitors may mm-hmm. not be enough leads. So how do we measure, how do we improve conversion rates or within your checklist? You know, is it the volume of conversions or is it the conversion rate? Is it a combination of the two? 
Yeah, I think it really comes down to the kind of call to action. So, right, when we were looking, you know, the first we talked about the traffic. So you got to figure out where which channels are driving the traffic. And then when you talk about the conversion rate, you have to look at which channels contribute to the most amount of conversion. So you might figure out that you do get a tons of conversions from a specific channel. Let's say if you are doing some paid initiative and you're doing social ads and you do get conversions that come from social, but you soon find out the quality of the leads that are coming out of social ads isn't as qualified yeah. as, a, as an initiative like an SEO or a paid search campaign, right? So essentially the goal is to figure out which channel is driving the most quality leads and then figuring out how do I optimize that particular channel for increasing the number of leads and that come what about, out of it. What about, you know, macro versus micro conversions? So most what? certainly. So I mean, everybody in, ter- in terms of macro, they all want post, you know, like the bottom of funnel leads right. or somebody who made an actual transaction. That's what everybody's going for. Is that what the 2% is? Yes. I mean, it can vary across the board. I mean, micro could be a lot more. You can sure. probably see a much higher in terms of engagement metrics, like, hey, People viewed my videos more. People went to a certain page and spent more time on that page. And those could also be considered as a conversion. And I am for the the sake of ease of... You're um, talking about a lead. Yeah. So as far as that, I think you're literally looking at people that submitted a form inquiring about a service or a product or specifically downloading a resource or something in pertaining to a, a service or a product. One thing I think is probably important to mention is that you can't... I think either of these metrics, right, the first two points are... I don't want to say meaningless, but you take it with a grain of salt without the other, right? Because mm-hmm. the traffic, without understanding the quality of the traffic, you don't want just traffic right. for the sake of traffic. Mm-hmm. And the only way to understand the quality of the traffic is to look at the conversion rates and then the value of those conversions coming in. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the conversion, right? You can have 10% conversion rate or you could have a 1% conversion rate. And on paper, you know, the 10% looks better, but it comes down to the volume of traffic and the relevancy of that traffic. A lot of times, what you'll see, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on the correlation between increasing traffic mm-hmm. and what happens to things like your bounce rate or conversion rate. Because a lot of times, you know, marketers get discouraged of, hey, our traffic has gone up by 20%, but our conversion rate went from 5% to 3%, right? So mm-hmm. help us to kind of understand your thought process on if we're driving more traffic, should our conversions stay the same? Should they go up? Should they go down? You know, what are the possible scenarios there? And when do you hit the panic button? Yeah. And I think, again, it goes back to the channel that you're driving traffic from, right? So essentially you could, let's just say for uh, for uh, example's sake that you are doing Google ads and you just doubled your ad spend and you are focused on the exact very same keywords that you were you're bidding and advertising for before, then I think that the, uh, the conversion rate should remain the same. But if you're just dialing up every effort that you have, you're investing more into your SEO initiative and you're creating more content and you're also doing more social ads and you're doing a bunch of different stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Then in that case, what you need to look at is if the conversion rate isn't going up or down, then you might need to look at the overall call to actions that you're using and kind of offers that you might have on those specific pages. So I don't think there's like a perfect example, like, hey, every time you increase traffic, the conversion is going to stay the same or increase uh, or go down. But I think it really depends on which channel is going to be driving the most amount of traffic. Yeah, I think the the example that you gave is probably the only scenario where it would in theory, stay the, stay same, the same, is if you're getting more traffic for the same searches. Correct. But in reality, most more of the time it's not, right? So you mentioned, yeah. A, organic has been a great performer for our clients in driving more traffic. Typically what happens is you start investing more into organic. You open the funnel up to more top of the funnel research-related searches. Mm-hmm. Traffic increases because there's more search volume. You're ranking for more keywords. You drive more traffic. Then conversion rates could go down, right? Mm-hmm. Because 
in that scenario, people who are researching, you might get 3,000 or 30,000 visitors for people that are researching, but they're not ready to convert. Mm -hmm. And then the value of those conversions could go down as well because they're more top of the funnel. They just downloaded an ebook or attended a webinar. Sure. And so salespeople are like, you know, these leads aren't, aren't as good if you're not following, you know, the right strategies and mm -hmm. proper protocol when it comes to inbound marketing. But I see that a lot. And so, again, I, I don't think I would panic and say, hey, we're driving more traffic, but conversion rates went down or bounce rates went up. It's all about context and it's all about intent uh, mm -hmm. of that traffic and of those visitors and those conversions, especially when we have, you mentioned B2B companies, we work a lot with the B2B companies, companies that are starting from scratch, or maybe it's a manufacturing company that you know, doesn't have a lot of search volume. And, you know, they'll come to us and their conversion rates will be like astronomically high, like 10, 15, 20 percent, mm -hmm. because the only people that are finding their website are people who have been customers for 30 years. And they're going right. to the website to find the phone number or submit a, you know, quote because they already they order every month. Right. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they're going to have a high conversion rate. You have to really understand the context of why someone is on the website. They already know who they are. Mm -hmm. Someone who's just researching uh, and, you know, trying to find some information. That's where you said, you know, diverse channel sources, you know, different, different intent, different call to action. That's when it's all going to even out at, you know, maybe mm -hmm. two, three, five percent on the high end. So, again, I think that's just something that you have to look at those two numbers at the same time, traffic in comparison to conversions. And you can't look at one of the metrics and saying, hey, we're doing a great job on the marketing team because we have a 10 percent conversion rate on our website. Mm -hmm. If you have 10 visitors on your website. Right not that great mm -hmm. one thing too to note this is something i've seen over and over is where let's just take a little bit granular level the keyword specific right so if you have non-branded search mm -hmm. they yield probably less conversion and they come back and do a branded search and they'll convert so you might look at your ppc yeah. campaign and say well my branded search converts the highest but you don't know that it was the non-branded search mm -hmm. that's how they found your company but when they were ready they just searched the name of the company hit the, you know, the go button and fill out the form, but all the attribution is now going to branded search. But if you stop all the non-branded search ads, your conversions will go down because there's nobody finding your website. So right. again, you might say that paid is giving you such great, amazing, you probably have to go look one step further and say, what keywords are we really getting and why? Mm -hmm. Certainly. And that also comes down to timing, right? It, you know, you look at a campaign, you just launch a campaign. In theory, conversion rates especially for things like remarketing ad or, you know, custom audience or list that you're uploading should increase over time because mm -hmm. you're building more brand awareness, right? So like you said, if you're driving quality traffic and you know that traffic is quality, you've, you've done and you've gone and analyzed all of the keyword, you know, search term reports, search query reports, you've looked in search console, you're tracking your keyword rankings, you're looking at your top performing pages, and you're confident that all of those searches are relevant to your audience. Uh, but it's not converting at the rate that you want to. I think it's more about, it's a waiting game, right? It's like, okay, well, yes, let's see what we can do to have different call to actions or different conversion methods or techniques on the website. Uh, but I also think depending on what you're trying to sell them, it's going to mm -hmm. take some time. So mm -hmm. I think those conversion rates will go up over time as you you know, remarket to them and bring them back to your website. Like you said, Solomon, a lot of times that may happen in the form of a branded search three weeks or three months later. Yeah. And you know that's what gets all the credit. All right, let's move on to your next point, man. We got one and two. Yeah, most certainly. The Graduating thing, here. The the other thing <laughs> you need to look at is the post-conversion strategy. So we talked about traffic, which kind of is a, a leading indicator of, you know, some of the other success metrics that we want to measure. So then we go into looking at conversion. And then the next thing you got to look at as well, 
about average 2% of your website visitors are converting, 98% of them are bouncing and not taking sure. any action, right? So the post-conversion strategy should uh, uh, be focused on the people that converted, but that 2% doesn't mean almost 100% of that 2% is qualified to actually do sales with you. They're probably in the market, but they're, the timing may not be right, right? So let's go through that again. I just mm -hmm. want to make sure, especially if people are just listening to this. So 2% conversion rate, right? Mm -hmm. And then of those 2%, so let's just say for sake of math, we have 100 visitors to the website, 2% mm -hmm. you know, conversion rate, that means you have two, two. leads. Mm -hmm. But now you're saying, okay, maybe only 50% of those leads are even qualified. So now you have one lead, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, there's another metric there. So what do we do then on the post-conversion side to make sure that we're, if we only got one lead now, we only mm -hmm. got 2% to 1%, right? If only 50% right. of them sure. are, are qualified. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? How do we capitalize on that? Because we lost 99% of the the traffic. Exactly. So this is where, you know, we're, again, we're talking about high level as you onboard a client, what are some of the key <clears> things you look at, right? So essentially what you want to look at at this stage is, do we even have a strategy in terms of, making sure that the leads that are converting and for that 2% that converted, even if they're not all qualified to buy now, do we have a system and process in place to stay top of mind with those prospective customers so they don't forget about us, right? So essentially, yes, we need to increase the percentage of the qualified lead that's converting. At the same time, what, do we, what can we do about the leads that converted? So even if they're not sales ready today, how can we continue to nurture them over time so that they remember our brand? they return back or decide to engage our sales team sometime in the future. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone. All right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation. Or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what. Head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at 1IMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening. And let's get back to our topic for the day. So what are some ideas of ways that companies can, like, what specifically would they do post-conversion? Somebody, I fill out a form on the website, now what happens? So I think you need to think about a more of a multi-channel strategy in terms of how can you nurture those people. And everyone knows email marketing and marketing automation is probably the number one thing that comes to mind, right? Hey, I need to put them into some sort of a drip email so I can continue to stay top of mind with some yeah. emails, right? So we're going really creative with email is definitely the step one in that uh, in that process of making sure that those leads aren't wasted over time. And then I think we need to think about strategically incorporating other channels. So remarketing could be an effective way, trying to figure out, you know, for maybe the next 30 days or 60 days, somehow they're seeing some sort of a very compelling messages with some sort of a next step offer that targets those visitors that converted, right? That's one thing to do. You can essentially incorporate some uh, other channels that are, uh, for example, you can probably have SMS messages that goes out to those people if you were able to collect their 
uh, cell phone, phone number. number. Or you could even do dropping direct mail to those people if you were able to collect their address, right? Mailing address. Yep. So you got to think about how can you incorporate multiple different channels in that mix so that you're not relying on that one medium to stay in touch with that prospect. Yeah, and, and I think what most the companies that we work with, a lot of times the most common story is the lead comes in, salesperson calls them right away, asks them some questions, sends them a quote, maybe follows up on that quote. Wait for the next lead. One or two time and then wait for the next lead. So how long do you think you should be nurturing these leads post-conversion? And is it a manual process or you know what else can be done to automate it? Yeah, and I think it's not how long. I think just because they converted and didn't buy from you today doesn't mean their problem went away. They could have probably went with a competitor and decided to purchase someone else's product, but that doesn't mean that they're completely and 100% happy with that solution, right? It's only a matter of time before they're back in the market trying to look for an alternative offer option or that they're, they're just still taking time to decide on what their best option is, So right? forever then. It is. So I think you have to have some sort of a short-term nurture that is immediate, that you gets them to take the next step in that buying process, process, right? To either book a meeting with a sales rep or request for a proposal, samples, any sort of indication, right? Any sort of action that you can make them take that yep. shows that they're a warm prospect, a warm, uh, warm opportunity. But if they are not taking any such action, then you got to put them into more of a long-term nurture that, still has to be relevant for them to value what you are doing, right? Whether it be emails or SMS or whatever those things are, but ultimately to stay top of mind so that they remember, right? Because we all are getting bombarded with emails and we're just moving on to the next thing in, in life. Okay. So we have the traffic, mm-hmm. we have the conversion, now we have the post-conversion. So what metrics as a marketer should you look at post-conversion? How do we measure this? Just that we have a process or we don't have a process? Is it black or white or are there other metrics we can look at? So you can look at the couple of different things. So you want to post-conversions, you can see if you have a CRM system where you're tracking your leads that converts to deals, you can create, you can look at the number of meetings that originated from an inquiry that came and you can look at the meetings that converted into deals. And then you can look at the deals that converted into actually opportunities and opportunities that converted into mm-hmm. deals, right? So you can essentially have a, a 360 degree view of yeah. everything from a, a visit to a lead to sales opportunities, ultimately that's turned into a, a customer. And then anything that didn't pan out to be an opportunity at all. Well, let me ask you a question. Where does retargeting fit into this? You can do remarketing across the entire customer journey, right? So journey-based advertising is essentially you people that we talked about conversion rate being in about 2%. So 90% of those people that come to your site do not even convert into a lead. So those is that people, one of your five steps? That was my question. It's you, Okay, got so it. So that would be, so ideally, that would be more, yeah, more be of like... Part of the conversion, right? Correct, exactly. One of the ways yeah. how you would increase the conversion rate is to implement something like remarketing. Correct. And I guess in theory... It's kind of hard to measure, right? Because it, it doesn't necessarily increase the conversion rate because that's another user. It's another right. session, right? They come back and then they come back again. So it's, it keeps well, the conversion rate the same, but it does increase the volume of conversions if you stay. Right, because you made a great point. Just because they fill out the form, they're not ready to buy. Mm-hmm. Just because they visited your website, they're not also ready to convert yeah. either. Mm-hmm. So you do need to do something to increase that 2%. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, remarketing is, a, is part of a strategy in terms of how you want to nurture. Right. But overall... When we talk about the post-conversion, we're looking at email marketing and lead nurturing as a way to, to make Yeah, sure just those it. metrics right there. I mean, like you said, a lot of times you look at it and say, okay, we want to solve this equation of we need X number of leads because we know our most organizations have a sales process and they can give you some idea, whether it's a gut instinct or they have a track of our close rate is 20%, our close rate is 80%, right? A lot of times we hear that, especially mm-hmm. people that aren't 
tracking yeah. everything. It's yeah, like, like 80%. 80, we have a high close 80, rate. 80-90% close rate, <laughs> right? Lead, close. Any lead that is in front of me, doesn't matter who they are, I'm selling. We have a really high close rate. But yeah, but <laughs> when you look at that, so you say, okay, hey, got 80% close rate, 90% close rate. You know, if I get 10 leads, it's all I need. 10 leads, we're getting eight new deals a month, no problem. So even that equation that we're talking about, there's a lot of room for improvement on mm -hmm. the first three points of your checklist, right? Mm -hmm. Because the thought process is, hey, all I need to do is drive more traffic because I have a 2% conversion rate and I need, I want, I have five leads a month, I need to get to 10, or I have 10, I right. need to get to 20. So I just need to double the amount of traffic. Mm -hmm. But you can do all three things, right? You can maybe increase the traffic by 50%, increase the conversion, conversion rate from a 1% to a 5%, and then increase that post-conversion rate in terms of qualified leads to actual opportunities by another, you know, from 30% right. to 50%. And all of a sudden, you've made up a little ground in a few different places, mm -hmm. and you can hit those numbers. So I love the idea of tracking all three of those because the same thing would happen on the sales side where how many leads do we have? How many leads turned into opportunities? How many proposals did we put out? And then what is our close rate on those proposals? You look at the close rate based on proposals given and close rate based on leads generated. Those are two different numbers. Right. So you might have 90% close rate or 80% close rate on the proposals given, but how many leads were basically squandered from you know, when they reached out to you until they got the proposal because right. you didn't follow up, mm -hmm. you didn't have any systems in place for automation, you didn't set the meeting, you didn't you know, qualify the person or educate them on your offering. So having those different metrics even before you get to that is, as I think, you know, it's a game changer. Most certainly. All right. What's the fourth point and of your yeah, fifth? Yeah, let's do it, man. Checklist? So I think the next two are, you know, so the next two points kind of help guide or drive some of these other three okay. metrics that we talked about. So the ones, the two things you want to look at, one is the user experience and overall user interface. So if you are struggling with conversion and you are struggling with getting people to convert into inquiries, that's where you want to pinpoint some of your challenges. Maybe it is that the overall user experience is not the optimal, right? People aren't able to find the forms. People aren't able to find what exactly you do. They're bouncing off the site because you're not guiding them into the next step in the buying process. So, so there's a, you know, a lot or a little bit of subjectivity to that, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you measure that? How do you quantify, you know, our user experience or our you know, user interface or the effectiveness of our user interface? Most certainly. So I think you, you know, some of the high level metrics would be bounce rate. So if you are seeing a high bounce rate, that is an indication of maybe you're not providing the optimal experience for your customer. Then you can look into kind of the user journey. Are they going through multiple pages? Are there specific pages that they land on, but then they go into a certain page and then they don't convert on that page? Then you can use, you know, there are third-party tools that we can use that tracks the, the user behavior on a website, uh, essentially tracking their, their what, what buttons they, yeah, essentially heat mapping to see what buttons they clicked on, what page they went to, what they looked at, all sort of activities that they are performing on a site. And you can monitor that to see, are there areas that you can improve yeah. uh, in terms of performance? Yeah, I tend to think that we need to couple those, again, mm -hmm. just like with the first two, traffic and conversions. We need to look at, okay, yes. Bounce rate is can be an indicator for mm -hmm. the user experience, or you're also maybe you're providing such a great user experience. Yeah, they don't need to go they anywhere don't need else. To go any other pages. That's so true. I think you look at the intent, the page that it is that they're they're you know the landing page that's driving the traffic. I think you look at the time on site, mm -hmm. and so I, I would even venture to say that bounce rate, yes, time on site probably more important than bounce rate. Number of average number of pages per session, um, but again, I don't know if there's one. 
Yeah, I think it is a subjective. I mean, you look at it and you can objectively look at numbers, but you have to look at the meaning behind the numbers. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say it's black and white and say, hey, you know, this marketing person or this landing page was implemented or this agency took over and our bounce rate went through the roof, right? Mm -hmm. I think you would look at some of those other metrics and you have to use a little bit of intuition and just say, is this website a better user experience for my clients than the Mm -hmm. old website, right? Because yeah, bounce rate, time on site. I mean, some of those can be can even be misleading. Uh, mm-hmm. if you, and you can also manipulate bounce rate very easily, <laughs> meaning you could just add a little code mm-hmm. that can look like it's loading another page and all of a sudden your bounce rate went down. So it's like, uh, yeah, right? Like there's a lot that you can do. But beyond that, I'm just saying you're right. You can actually be... Well, it depends on your goals too, right. because a lot of people will like, someone spends 10 seconds on a page, it counts as a goal. So that's not a goal. Right. Yeah. What I'm saying, <laughs> it's not a bounce either. It's, right. a goal. it's somebody completed a goal. So it, it's that's misleading. That's not a conversion. That's not a bounce. It's like, okay, is our website loading faster? Correct. I mean, maybe those are some metrics, right? You could track as load well, speed. One uh, thing though, which I think will help you from your point four by user experience is how does it look on a mobile device? Yeah. That's probably the number one right. reason they're not converting yeah. is that your it's form doesn't work. It's it's wonky. I, I have to go side scroll to get to your form. I mean I think you should yeah. talk about the traffic mm-hmm. to mobile versus desktop. If mobile is on the rise on your first point, mm-hmm. think about that. Like, what are you doing about number four? Because number four is about usability across the board. So I'd love to get your thoughts too on the idea of, let's say, gated content versus free content, because that's kind of one of the, I feel like it's an internal it's an battle argument. within the marketing world. Yeah. Maybe it's not really a battle, but I hear that conversation a lot, right? Is because just like we're saying here, marketers have to prove to you know their CEO or their boss or whoever it may be that this campaign is effective. So then we created this idea of, well, we'll create a bunch of offers that are valuable and relevant to the intent of the visitors, the top of the funnel search. We're going to have an ebook download or a webinar attending. It's all gated content. Our traffic's going to go up. Conversion rates are going to go up. We have metrics to, to measure in terms of number of leads and all this kind of stuff. And then it flipped again, the switch kind of flipped again. And now we're seeing a lot of people provide as much value as possible, give as much free information away, and people will, you know, convert when they're ready to convert. Mm-hmm. We're not going to hold any cards. We're not going to try to manipulate that sales right. process because we want our users to get as much value as possible. And I don't want to call everybody that downloads, downloads an ebook mm-hmm. either anyway. So how do we balance that of user experience, which mm-hmm. is what you're talking about, point four, and the hard metrics that we need to report to our superiors of this is our conversion rate. And I removed all the forms and all the gates on our website. Now our conversion rate is a half a percent instead of 5%. But trust me, this is going to be better in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big philosophical change. I yeah. think the organization as a whole need to buy into that whole idea of completely removing gated content. But there's a lot of new options available with the conversational marketing you can essentially implement a chat bot that can actually chat with a visitor based on the page that they're on and have them start almost like a robotic conversation and lead them to specific content and essentially leave them a content with a chat as yeah. opposed to filling out a complete form and then use that email data to append other information about that company or that individual, right? So instead of asking a lot of questions about company, job titles, employee size, and all those different things to collect some of the information in exchange for an ebook, maybe using some sort of a conversational chat bot, yeah. essentially just get bare minimum information just so you can identify the user and then use third-party technology to append additional contact record, right? Because you, you, there's enough 
resources out there available that can tell you the company size, the industry that they're in, revenue, the employee count, all that information can be added without necessarily having you add. And then maybe with a little bit of you know elbow grease, you can go and look up that person and figure out what is that, what is the job function of that person, right? Yep. So I think if you do something like that, maybe there is a way that you can have some sort of a way to overcome this battle of determining whether to complete or remove. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know what the right answer is. I mean, I tend to think that if you focus on user experience and value, then you're going to win. The brands that focus on creating more value, creating a better user experience, are going to win out in the end. I think you have to sacrifice a little bit of Mm short-term conversion metrics and that kind of stuff. MQL, SQL, that kind of stuff. If you gate the content, if you gate the content, somebody else has the opportunity to not gate the content. Right. Someone That's what you're gonna, doing. Someone else will be will Correct. be willing to do that. Be willing That's, to answer those I questions. would rather not gate the content. If yeah. I think that that's so valuable, might as well use that as a way to get people in the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's probably a good point. Is I mean, it might depend a little bit on your industry of what the competitors are doing. At the same time, just because no one else is doing it, you know, maybe that would give you the opportunity to be the first one to maybe you'll be that one, like you said, yeah. that that's willing to give away this information for free. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately what you want to do is become that resource, because become that knowledge center and provide a good user experience. And I think that light kind of clicked for a lot of marketers to say, well, this idea that you got to fill out a form or basically log in to see any of this information, mm-hmm. that's not a good user experience. So let me just become this wealth of knowledge and resource and become known as that brand that that has all the answers and then let them go through that part of the funnel. And when they're ready to reach out, they'll reach out. At the same time, I think the advancements in cookie targeting and remarketing, all that kind of stuff allows us to you know, not really need someone to fill out a form. a form. I mean, especially in the B2B world, and typically we can see with the right tools what business is on our website. We can cookie them, we can remarket to them, we can use third-party tools to actually go find the decision makers within that business that are going to be relevant to us and get their contact information. So mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to be in a place that it's going to be sooner that we have access to basically everyone's personal information on the web and it's all going to be public before we need to have everybody fill out a form on the website. Right. It's just going to be, it's all going to be public. And even, uh, you know, platforms like LinkedIn allows you to submit a form just using the LinkedIn profile. So it's, right. there's less friction in terms of having to complete a form. It's just acknowledging that I'm giving you permission to give my contact info. Sure. All right. What's number five? The last thing is essentially comes down to content. So it all kind of builds up, right? So the last point is, okay, now that we talked about traffic, we talked about conversion, we talked about post-conversion, and then we talked about user experience, but all of this is actually fueled with content. So if I'm actually joining a company as a director of marketing or some sort of a marketing role, and I'm measuring all the key uh, indicators that shows me how well am I doing online in terms of driving business, I have to really ultimately analyze my web content, the amount of content that I'm producing, whether that's in the form of a blog or it's video that goes on our YouTube channels or or even infographics or any form of content that I'm able to create that I leverage as a means to get people's attention, right? And then how well am I doing in that area of content production? So that would be the last thing that I want to look at. Are we doing a good job in terms of producing content consistently with quality, with relevance that really attract my target buyer persona? And then am I doing a great job in getting people to find that content. Okay. So is are there, you know, 
best company, practices? Yeah, are there, are there best practices are there metrics that you can measure? Is it volume? How much content we're creating? Is it engagement metrics on the content of traffic being driven? Like, how do we measure this in terms of the effectiveness of our content? So it isn't so much, you know, oh, did I blog, write one blog a day? It is more so is the amount of content that I'm producing today helping me drive the kind of leads that I want? And kind of, you know, traffic that I need to ultimately reach the revenue target that I have. So it's not so much like, oh, am I writing one blog a week, a day or a week? It is more so, is it enough to drive the growth goals that we have? Or are we under investing in creating content to be able to reach our target audience? And okay. do we have enough content that can be fueling our, re- our post-conversion, lead nurturing, things of that nature? Okay. And then what about the consistency? What role would the consistency play in relation to the volume of content? Well, I think the consistency will come into that, right? Essentially, if you are trying to attract your target customers, there needs to be some sort of a cadence that you follow in terms of how you produce content that will ultimately lead to some sort of a consistency in terms of how frequently you're publishing content, whether in the form of blogs or social posts or any of those things. Yep. Um, but I don't want to give a formula for how do you do all, yeah, do eight times a day on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I like it. So you're saying, hey, if we're trying to measure the impact of the website, you got to look at these five points, which is see if I can remember them mm-hmm. all. Traffic, Traffic conversion. conversions, post-conversions. Do we have conversions. a solid post-conversion strategy? Do we have mm-hmm. the right you know, metrics when it's relating to number of leads that are generating opportunities or revenue, user experience, user interface? Are we providing a good experience on all different types of devices? And then finally is the content. Are we consistent enough? Are we in-depth enough? And essentially... Is that content driving the results really back to step one of the, mm-hmm. the traffic? Yeah. So I, I think that's a great point. I mean, I think if anybody's out there that's trying to understand, okay, is my website performing the way that it should be? Is it capturing the, the right audience? If you're firing on all cylinders on those five points, you're at least going to be better than mm-hmm. 80, 70, 80% of your competitors. And that's when you can start to optimize each of those different metrics. Sounds good. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, Sam, for walking us through that five-point checklist. Hope you guys enjoyed. You've been listening to the Growth Marketers Podcast. Loved this episode of the Growth Marketers Podcast? Share it with a friend and head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review.